What's happening, guys? It's Adam here. Just a quick word from our sponsors before we kick off today's episode. That is Beer52.com. Beer52 is the UK's most popular craft beer discovery club. They're number one, baby. And they'll send you some amazing beers every month, and you can rate and review them via their website to earn points and rewards. Now, every month's beers that you get sent will have a brand new theme. Past themes have been the beers of Germany, California, Belgium, Korea, New Zealand, South Africa, and many, many more. And they've kindly given our listeners an exclusive offer. You'll get a free case of eight beers, an award-winning beer magazine, and a tasty snack. The second you sign up, they'll send them out in the post for you. And you can't catch Corona from the post. All you have to do is pay a few quid for the delivery, and you can cancel or pause your membership at any time. Sign up now at beer52.com slash word. That's our exclusive link. That's B-E-E-R 52.com slash W-O-R-D. You'll claim your free case of beer, and for every person that signs up via that link only, they slide us a little bit of money. That supports the podcast. It helps us out. It's win-win. So do us a favour, pause the pod here, go and do that now, and then enjoy the episode. Nice one. See you in a bit. Fucking did it in one take, bro. Yeah, man. Okie dokie, piggy a pokey. Good morning, job seekers. Oh my God. Okay, it's happening. Catch me outside. How about that? Have you never seen me before? Upset me, nasty bitch. I'm big boned. I'm heavy structure. I'm hung low. If I pull my shit out, this whole room get dark. Disgusting. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel like podcasting. Two mics, two lids, and a lot of time on their hands. This is Havawad. Shut down dailies. Let's get through this mess together. Welcome back, motherfucker. Did you enjoy our day off? Uh, Now, you see, I needed it. I'm not going to say I particularly enjoyed it because it wasn't wasn't my greatest day. You know? Do you ever feel like that with a hangover? If you you know when you get that like you, I nearly died and my and my life flashed before my eyes. If it's the hangover days that flash, it's basically feeling sorry feeling sorry for yourself. Carbohydrates, Netflix. That was it. It was pretty. It was low maintenance yesterday. How was your day off? I had the biggest hangover I've had in about a year. <laughs> it was fucking awful. So I drank with you on the pod. And then once the podcast was done, I stopped for a bit. But then I had a, a little group chat night in with Paul Blair, Paul Smith, and who the fuck is that guy? Freddie Quinn. And we've got to talk about him in a minute. Um, yeah, well, we, we had a drink all night and then Rob Thomas joined us for a bit later on, another comedian. And I drank till about three o'clock in the morning. Um, a combination of beer, rhubarb and ginger gin. And some Lagavulin 16 whiskey. And that's a heady oh. combo, in it? And then, yeah, so yesterday was tough. <laughs> <laughs> I had a yesterday. little break in between, though. I mean, I got shit faced twice, but I did have a break. Can't if you'd have told me yesterday, look, right, we'll get rid of your hangover. Got a magic wand here, but there's a caveat too. So you'll get rid of your hangover, but you'll get coronavirus. You won't die, but you'll get it. I'd have gone sound as long as you take this away from me and I have 24 hours to prepare for the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. me up, baby. I was so fucked yesterday. It was such a bad day. I, I moved from like when I'm hungover, I, I, I can't get comfy in a normal spot. So like 
when I woke up in the morning, I just swapped ends of the bed. So like my feet were by the headboard and then later on, I just went and got on the couch for a bit. Then I went back from the, then I, I, I had a nap on the living room floor at one point. <laughs> and now I, It'd be and so funny if that was how bad your hangover was, was like, you could work it out from where you tried to nap. Like fucking Adam must've been really bad yesterday. Why? Cause he had a nap on the front porch just outside. <laughs> he needed the fresh air. People kept throwing money at him. That was the, you know, that was the, I mean, he was hungover as fuck, but he made about two pound 80 which is a bonus I made a mistake as well so like i ordered chinese food because when i'm hungover chinese food's like a nuclear weapon to fight a hangover in it i fucking love a chinese on a hangover um so i was like i'll just order from this place but on the just eat thing for some reason i'd clicked collect and not deliver now luckily the place i ordered from is about 200 yards away it's round the corner so right. i was like not a problem I'll just walk around and get it I didn't really want to leave the house yesterday at all but I was like fuck it I'll go but because I was in hungover and I was expecting to get something delivered to the house I had what can best be described as only acceptable inside clothes on right <laughs> so me me, G, me me shorts have got like gravy stains on there was toothpaste on me hoodie uh, and there was a bit there was a bit of toothpaste still in me beard because I'd like hangover brushed my teeth and not like looked oh, at me you know when you can't look at yourself in the minute so you just you look into the sink <laughs> as you're brushing your teeth you're like I can't I can't I just need to turn the lights off <laughs> I was just staring into the sink brushing my teeth and I'd left a load of toothpaste in my beard but then I hadn't looked in the mirror all fucking day so when I went round to the Chinese place I've got toothpaste on me top gravy on me shorts flip flops on toothpaste in me beard and they looked at me really weird and the way they're doing it at the minute is you've got a queue outside the chibi yeah. and they shout your order like, right, like right. order for Dan Nightingale coming only one person's allowed in the shop at a time but the, the queue of people are looking at me like what the fuck and in my head this is how because I'm hungover and occasionally I get recognised in them but I thought people are like oh there's that comedian Adam Rowe that's absolutely not what they were doing they were going who's this scruffy toothpaste cunt here? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that homeless guy that's jizzed on himself? <laughs> oh, that's awful. How's he managed to shit on the front of his shorts? <laughs> because toothpaste and gravy is unfortunately really like not that far off from jizz and shit. It's like the worst <laughs> things you can spill on yourself. Like, ah. Oh, oh dear, him. oh dear. And you know what? I know I've been what? in I've been that hung hungover where you're like, I have so the only emotion you've got is like fuck. You can't do, like, shame of that, like, embarrassment doesn't come into it. Like, that's gone. All of those senses are just numb to the fact that anyone's, like, going, that's disgusting, sort your life out. Like, don't care, need prawn toast. <laughs> I got prawn toast. Yeah, because it's fucking, it's Chinese fish bread. It's fucking greasy, and it makes <laughs> you feel so much better. Takes a, takes about two months off your life every time you eat it, be like, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I got some Chinese fish bread. I got some um, chicken and sweet corn hot water. Uh, I got some crispy chili beef Ugh. and some noodles. Yeah. No one has ever... Have you ever under-ordered when you hung over? You're like... You just... <laughs> when you're on just, no. you're on just eating, you're like, everything you see. They should just <laughs> literally have an algorithm where they just keep showing you fatty. Like, you're like, yeah, chips. Well, I need chips each. Like, yeah, obviously, lad. Stop looking at me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, onion rings. Yeah, bread. Yeah, fuck, I do want a curry and a kebab. And then it just comes 
And you can do damage, but you can never, you never under order when you're hungover. That's how I order when I'm sober as well, to be honest with you. <laughs> and that's Wednesdays. <laughs> uh, Jade always hasn't got Jade t- gave me a rule recently which is and I'm bad for that when I'm cooking as well like cooking too much stuff she's like from now on however much stuff you think you should cook cook exactly half of that and that'll be enough for us to have our dinner I guarantee you every time <laughs> yeah but in the back of your head you're like but what if she's wrong and I've got half the food I need like you'll never You'll never get over that. You're like, I, it's not worth it. I'd rather waste the food to not have that really disappointing meal while I'm looking at her going, well, I'm still hungry. Yeah. I got really pissed off yesterday because all I wanted was a proper roast dinner. I forgot it was Easter Sunday. And like about 10 of our fucking listeners tweeted me a picture of a leg of lamb yesterday. I know, I saw them pop was, up. It was, it was so upsetting to see them all. And they look good as well. Mate, camera phones are on point at the moment. It looks like you've had a professional like photo shoot for your fucking leg of lamb. Getting Andy Hollingworth in to come yeah. and do fucking studio shots with this, lights and everything. Is this leg of lamb just signed with a comedy agency? He's just got his fucking... There's a leg of lamb with like an off-the-curb suit jacket on. Looks like John Bishop sweating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, a ladder to take a photo from above to hide your chin on your leg of lamb. <laughs> see, I don't follow any cunts that that post food, but I I like it that it's a callback to something in the podcast. Like when we did the sandwich challenge, I'm all in for it. When people are like messaging their leg of lambs, I'm like absolutely fine. But when people are like, and I made this meal, I'm like, I could give a fuck what you made. I don't want to see pictures <laughs> of it. But when I know it's tormenting you, that's amazing. Could you get? I mean, this might be a stupid question. I'm not a roast guy. Are we at the point now with Just Eat where you can get a roast delivered? Or would you it just not be Toby the same? Carvery. Toby Carvery's on Just Eat. Right. Um, but you have to collect shit. it. Do no, they you del- can get it delivered. Wow. You can. And there's a couple of other places in Liverpool as well that do like a, a roast and a takeaway. But like 20 minutes after a roast dinner's been cooked and set out, it's 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 over. Right, yeah, it's yeah. Too- so... It, it, it's really a bad way to have a roast in it. If you're going to have a roast in it, you just need to accept the fact you've got to cook it yourself from scratch. Right. Is it just me? This sounds a little bit like weirdly bre- post-Brexit xenophobic, but I think if you do deliver like roasts, I don't think it should be someone who isn't. I think it should be like from an old woman called Bev or something. I really don't think it should be a girl go, hello, here's your uh, roast uh, fucking... I don't want that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. They can deliver every other type of food. But a, a, a roast dinner, a Sunday roast should be d- delivered like from an angry working class woman who's from two streets from where you're from. Like, yeah, right. I'm in the grave myself. Thank you, Sandra, you grumpy bitch. I'm doing contactless delivery. I'll leave it on the end of the fucking road. Meet me halfway. I'd want that. I'd really want it. I don't, I don't want to sound EDL, but I want, I want my roast dinner delivered by a big fat white woman (laughs) and you just if you order one and like I don't know pick a name turns up and he's like no I I deliver for all of just need this is I I pick from restaurants I not belong to any restaurant no thank you Imran bag it up bag it up (laughs) on you go (laughs) take it back I'd like I'd like Janine to deliver it (laughs) 
I'm sure you make a perfectly good roast, but I want the annoyed look of a dinner lady as she passes me over. Just take it. Touch my hand, contactless, you fucking wuss. Imagine if you could be that compartmentalised racist. (laughs) Yeah, if it weren't like that. But they can live here. I don't care if they do come and steal the jobs. They can have as many benefits as they like. They can have all the kids. They can take over the schools. I'm happy to live under Sharia law. I don't give a fuck, mate. But they're not bringing me my Sunday roast. (laughs) (laughs) But a Yorkshire pudding will be made by someone from Yorkshire. What about the Asian community in Bradford? No, fuck that. That's not what I mean. (laughs) You knew what I mean. No fucking twist words. Yeah, uh... (laughs) Is it is it just me or would that be a niche where you know like a lot of hipster restaurants have gone so cool and everything's on slate and and everything could it go full circle and it would be actually appealing to buy shit off like angry dinner ladies all your mum's age and above like it like instead of like oh my god yeah we do it like ironically do it like ironic ironically so it's like it is just Bev, Phyllis, Sandra, Janine all in fucking tabards with stains on and they treat you like shit Oh, I'd love it. Dinner ladies. I think what you're asking for there is a pub, innit? <laughs> I think I've just described Weatherspoons, haven't I? Yeah, you have. <laughs> I think I've just, just described... A, a local non-affiliated pub, so it's a non-chain. It's just a fat old landlady who bought a pub in the 70s when it was a good idea, and now she's pissed off because the pub industry's on its ass. That's what you've described. She's like, yeah, fuck, there's an amazing pub like that in Liverpool, you know. It's called the old post office. It's behind Primark in the city centre. Right. It's just ran by like an old Scouse woman. She's got like loads of young Scouse staff. They do the best mixed grill you will ever have in your fucking life, mate. Will Hot Little Sizzler plate. Oh. Will, will Hot Water be pissed off if we do another live date there? <laughs> <laughs> I, can we uh, can we do a, a live show of our podcast? Fucking pod what, mate? <laughs> you can have half a mild and fuck off. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I, by the way, I'm watching the Patreon. Just keep, keep tick up. People are, are supporting us, and I'm very, very grateful for it. Obviously, today's the episode where, at the end, we give a shout out to all of our ten pound legends. By the time comedy comes back, if the Patreon keeps going up the rate it is, and people get more and more involved, and we're going to announce some new incentives to the Patreon soon, we're not going to be able to do that. Thank you, show at hot water, because there's going to be too many people. Yeah, we we are we are going to have to discuss a change of the. <laughs> there's going to have to be a cut off point because it can't just be like oh because someone could be like right I'm not signing up not signing up not signing up and then just on the last day be like ah signed up where's my ticket so I think there is going to have to be a plan because we can't you can't go to a two thousand seat venue and be like can we have it for free as a favour because we've started a podcast like there's gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to work something out should we just say thank you to the patron like personally before Adam says his bit the patron is the difference between the only comic the only comedian i know and obviously me and adam talk like like every fucking day through this but one of my best friends barry has got some online stuff as well and nearly every other comic i know is having a nightmare like emotionally financially they're looking into the future and it and i think it's scaring a lot of comics because yeah okay social distancing is not just going to get lifted you might be allowed out of the shutdown but they're not I'm, I'm starting to come around to what Adam's been thinking I don't think they're going to be like clubs bars just straight back in and this Patreon uh, and the support everyone on this podcast has given us is the difference between me having a fucking midlife crisis like on on air 
and me feeling like, yeah, I'm getting to put all my energy into something I love, getting to talk to you, getting to keep everyone like laughing or whatever, however you're enjoying it. And and I can't say thank you big enough, basically. Yeah. So I appreciate it, everyone. It, mental health wise and financial health wise, it's a, it's it saved our lives. The fact that people are supporting us in this shit and we're getting so many thank you messages and stuff. And I think we'll start reading some of the thank yous out just like one day a week, maybe because we're getting quite a lot of them and I want to give people a shout out when they're, when they're enjoying the stuff. Um, yeah, I think they deserve it. But, but just Patreon wise, if you're listening and you think, Oh mate, lads, I know you keep saying this. I can't afford it. We understand we're in the same boat. Times are tight. The people who can afford it and have put a little forward with the pledge. It's at patreon.com slash have a word pod. And uh, yeah, we're going to do a live thank you show when we're all released and social distancing is eased, but it's been a massive thing for all of us. And if you can, if you can do it, we appreciate it. And going forward, don't be like, all right, you're you're fine. Like we'd like to build it even more because beyond where we're at now, we'd like to build this pod into a different type. Cause right now it's the, it's basically audio with a few little clips on social media. We want to build a YouTube channel. We want to just, just, just basically grow it so we can increase the quality of the content. What once, even if social distancing is only sort of um, eased a little bit, let's forget comedy clubs coming back, but let's say they say you can have 10 people in a room or whatever. We can then start looking at getting the studio we want to put together at that point um, and take this to the next level with a proper studio. We're going to get a producer involved. There's going to be full episodes in, in video because we get a lot of people messaging us going, Oh, when's can you not put a full episode on YouTube? We literally haven't got the facilities to do that at the minute. We haven't got the computers or the the, the editing skills to be able to put that together. All the time, all the time. Thing. It's so time exactly. Yeah. Like it's so there's so much going on. We basically need to get to the point where we've got pr- production help. Yeah, um, and that's on its way. And people who have signed up to the Patreon so far, you, you've massively helped us. And long term, you're going to get some really, really, really good benefits to be a part of the Patreon. You're going to get a lot more for your money than you currently get so do stay on it I, I know people are going to stay on anyway people people are very proud to, to be signing up like people sending us their screenshots going I'm in lids I've signed up and that level of support is just amazing anyway that's enough for now and it will we'll give them their shout outs at the end in it uh, yeah shall we um, shall we do a, a few features yeah why not let's do some features pal let's crack a lack on what am I fucking what's this crack a lack what's happened I'm trying to think where this has fucking come from I've just said it what's crack a lack in where the fuck is that from dreadful I'm gonna stop that say right now I've chopped upset me nasty bitch didn't like it hey, day two of a hangover in it you feeling <laughs> a bit weird Rick and Maud mate I just washed my neighbour's car as I was doing it I was like oh, what is going on with me what have you done why why because my wife's car I did mine the other day Laura was at the shop and I was like oh fuck I'm going to have to go and I can't have one car not clean the other clean and then my neighbour she's called Marty she's 22 she's dead nice and she was just sat right next to Laura's car I was like Marty do you want me to do it and she was like uh yeah and I was like as I'm asking I'm like it does seem weird like can I clean your car like everyone else in the fucking country is like stay indoors don't don't meet anyone and I'm like anyone wants a car wash? fucking idiot do you know 
straight away she's gone in her WhatsApp group. If she's a young girl and she's gone, Dan, the next door neighbor's cleaning my car, and every one of her mates is like, he's trying to fuck you. <laughs> and you know, your dirty Dan from next door who tries to clean women's cars so that he can get some puss puss. Do you know how how sad it is that I'm at, I'm at the age where that's probably my best move game wise. <laughs> How do you get a woman nearly 40? Like, uh, you clean a car. Um, now, look, pay the TV license. And it's one of these. Women love these things being ticked off a to-do list. Is that right? No. Speaking of car maintenance, why don't we have a word from Trans Alloy Wheels? <laughs> i tell you what, Adam. Fucking professional. I'd like to tell you about Trans Alloy Wheels Limited. Alloy wheel refurbishments, car body work and customisation services in Leeds and throughout West Yorkshire. We are a well-trusted family-run business doing work for major companies such as Arnold Clark and Direct Line. We are passionate about our work. We thrive on perfection. This is a quote from a happy customer. Trans Alloy Wheels, and I'm deadly serious when I say it, it's the best finish I've ever seen on a set of wheels. Their attention to detail is commendable. We add value to your car at low cost with specialist trained technicians and the latest tech and experience using the same factory manufacturing techniques as the biggest car companies. We can repair the wheels as new finish. If you can't afford a new car because of the owner, come and have your wheels colour changed or refurbed. All Have A Word listeners will receive 25% off everything we do. And what we offer is powder coating, diamond cutting, painting, new tyres, acid stripping and shot blasting, tyre fitting and removal, well crack repairs and buckles, car body repairs, pickup delivery service and insurance work. We've got a 4.7 on the old Google review, we've got five-star Facebook reviews. Find us on Facebook, Insta, or online. That is Trans Alloy Wheels Limited. Ah, thank you. Okay, boys, let's do another feature already. <laughs> right, we've got a, a submission for Ledge of the Week. Ledge of... This was going to be Ledge of the Day. That was ambitious, wasn't it? Because we only get, like, one of these every fucking two weeks. <laughs> oh, what's she called? I've just bloody... It's... Uh, Lomax You threw fucking paper away again Yeah Sarah Lomax I'm so sorry Sarah I've literally just written your surname And not your fucking name Like Lomax Like Like she's with someone we went to school with Oh fucking Lomax Sarah Lomax sent this in Sarah's hey. a very active um, Active follower of ours on Instagram She doesn't really use Twitter much Sarah But she's constantly messaging me on Instagram Like her favourite bits of the podcast And my favourite thing is She's like I think she's caught up now, but for a, she didn't start listening until like we released like episode twenty or something. Right, okay. So she had like twenty three hours of stuff to catch up on, and she was just messaging us going, "Oh my god!" But then a quote that one of us said, and because I haven't listened back to them, I've got no idea what she was talking about half the time. Also, episode twenty genuinely feels like about nineteen ninety five at this point. Like it just feels that like when uh, people take pictures of stuff and put them on Twitter, like fucking hell, I can't believe you did this. You're like, uh, that was about forty hours of podcasting ago. <laughs> you gotta keep up. You gotta keep up. Like, what's gonna happen in five years when someone listens to all the shutdown dailies? It's gonna be like a time capsule podcast wise. Like, yeah, this is what we're all going through, and they're trying to sign up to beer fifty two dot com. By the way, that um, no context have a weird account. The one that they picked out from you the other day. Which, this was the entire soundbite and on its own I think it might be the best sentence out of context of all time it said all I remember was shaving a fanny weeing on a foot and then watching a psycho's bum hole go out the window and thinking that bitch is going to Newcastle <laughs> <laughs> if you if that's the first thing you've heard from this podcast can you imagine how hard it is to get your head around what could possibly be being talked about 
I also think if you are not a fan of my work, like as a, and everyone's ruffled some fucking feathers in the career. I've been going a long time, eighteen years of stand up, and I've pissed some people off in my time. Not been a twat, you just can't help it. There's big characters, and you end up having a few not enemies. You just rubbed up a few people. If they see that and they're like, damn night, and go fucking Adam doing a podcast. Oh, going well, is it going well? And then that pops up in their Twitter, and they already <laughs> don't like me. That's not good gonna win him over is it it's not gonna be the one with the actually i think he is a nice guy <laughs> I, sh- I, sh- I say i shave the funny best of the thought <laughs> watch the psycho's bum hole disappear oh. out of a window <laughs> see you at green man festival everyone <laughs> oh um uh, I have a submission for Ledger of the Week. She's called Andrea Taylor Burke. She runs my mental health group I've been attending since December. Life support group in Let- Little Lever Bolton. I was in a horrible place in December and was uh, suicidal, and I found this group and it helped me so much. Andrea set it up herself with no funding and held weekly meetings to help other people, even though she suffers mentally herself. She's just been granted lottery funding after so long, and she's putting it all into making new groups around Bolton, including one specifically to help children suffering with mental health conditions. She's amazing, and even though she suffers with severe health anxiety, this is a bad time for her especially, but she's still holding weekly Zoom calls to help us all out. So that's Andrea Taylor-Burke. She is our Ledger of the Week, if that's all right. Um, It's not only okay, but I've got a song for Ledger of the Week. Oh, my God. Ready? He's been creating. Ready? What's her name? Oh, you're actually going to... Oh, my God, it's amazing. Andrea Taylor-Burke. Andrea Taylor Burke, you are our ledge of the week. We love you. You help the week. That's why you are ledge of the week. And <laughs> um, Adam, that that rogue clap towards the start of that was one of my favourite bits of percussion. <laughs> I thought you were going to start giving yourself a beat, and then you just went, and then never clapped again. Just the old little known little known trick in music that the old one beat song how many beats per minute just one beat per song with Adam <laughs> um, well there's the theme tune anyway so uh, yeah thank you it's funny you. it's funny talking to mental health is oh, the last few years a lot of people are, are way more clued into it but I'm having conversations with members of my family and like the phrase mental health is coming up with old people and you can like I've said it because I think it's important. I'm like, everyone's just got to look after their mental health. And my granddad basically told me to fuck off. <laughs> no, what a lot of rubbish. What a lot of rub mental health. You just get on with it. You feel blue, you feel blue. You get on with it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, granddad. Mental health is important, isn't it? And sort of being understanding of um, when someone's having a bad mental health episode... Uh, and accepting that their behaviour might be slightly more erratic during that time is very important. But there is also some people who are just being a cunt and are trying to get out of it by saying they're having a bad time. That happens, doesn't it? Defo happens. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think you've got to be very careful about who you decide to be in a cunt and who's not being a cunt. 
Because, uh, you know, Smack like... my car up with a hammer. The thing is, I was having a really bad day, okay? I, I got fired from work and it really affected my mental health. And then you left your toothbrush in the sink and it just, it, it triggered something in me. And you can't expect me to be able to not smash your car up. You're yeah. a fucking twat is yeah, what you yeah. are. Uh, Darren really does have anxiety problems. Well, he just punched a stranger on a Saturday night in the middle of town. So it doesn't really change the fact that he is a twat, any. <laughs> Yeah, but he only broke the jaw because of his mental health issues. Couldn't give a shit. He's still a cunt. It's like, it's, it's like how um, people think disabled people can't be assholes. <laughs> you know okay, what I mean? and now I'm going to get in the passenger seat and let Adam drive from here. <laughs> like, some disabled people are also pricks. Do you know what I mean? Like, people act as if like they're holier-than-thou people who could never possibly be in the wrong because their life is harder than ours. It's not true. My mum worked with people who were um, mental and physically disabled, right? She used to be a, like a, a care worker before she, uh, well, before she became a full-blown alcoholic and they didn't really trust her to look after anyone anymore. Um, one time, me, m- <laughs> this is true and it's funny, my mum's sister, my auntie Sue, was a... Uh, scared of the people my mum had to care for like I know that's like very old fashioned and non-PC but this was like the 80s um, my auntie she was scared to go to the mental home that my mum worked in um, and my mum was like just come with me I've got to go and collect my wages and they were going out for like a meal or something, something to drink afterwards and she was like I don't want to go near there I really don't like it my mum was like you're being stupid you're being crazy okay they're just normal people they've got some health problems some mental health problems and you're going to be absolutely fine as soon as they walked through the door there was a woman who ran at me Auntie Sue fingering <laughs> herself and went oh I like you <laughs> and had to be restrained so literally my, my auntie terrified <laughs> what these people were going to do to her my mum's gone you're the dickhead calm the fuck down there's nothing wrong with these people and this old woman's frigging herself off off in the fucking hallway oh I like you <laughs> she's very affectionate she's very affectionate it's a compliment one, in many ways oh that's unlucky time. though isn't it that's super unlucky that the one yeah. time yeah it's funny though and another time this is the God's honest truth according to me mother okay and I've got no reason to believe me I'm lying there was a fella who would never eat his dinner right he always was just like I'm not eating it I'm not eating it and at one time he was like eat your dinner now or you're not gonna get whatever it what, what like whatever the treat was for them later in the day and he went i'll fucking do exactly what i want to do and i know you've got to deal with it and my mum swears black and blue that he purposefully shit himself on the spot because he knew she'd have to wipe it up <laughs> oh my God. this old man just pushed the shit out and was like i'm your problem now <laughs> there's so many similarities between old people and very young children You've been really naughty there, and I know exactly what you've done. And you can see you know, like, their eyes, like, yeah, I've, I've been naughty. <laughs> Fucking deal with that then. What about that? <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh. Uh, what an uh, what an interesting tact to take after we've just done Andrew Taylor Burke as Ledger of the Week, who helps people with mental health. Basically, we meandered our way to going, yeah, but some people are just dickheads, though, aren't they? Uh, she's doing great work, and I'm sure she's helping a lot of people with health anxiety and mental health issues however <laughs> it's almost like we can't just let it lie like on have a word you can't be like ledge of the week and she's doing great work but I tell you some of them twats they are just swats am I wrong am I, am I wrong 
<laughs> I bet one of them's tactically shit themselves. Just to prove a point. You got some more stuff? We got more? Kieran Woodall. Mm-hmm. Now, I... I don't know. I think this is almost like... I've done this on purpose. Like, I knew I was doing it. But there was a couple of questions about stand-up. And I sort of miss stand-up. And what I've noticed in the last few weeks, again, talking about mental health, is comics have stopped talking to each other quite as much. There's been less phone calls. At first, in the first couple of weeks, as the gig got cancelled and then the shutdown happened, loads of stand-ups were ringing each other going, oh, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? And we were basically talking shop, which all comics like to do. I think that shows you like your job if you like talking about... Not like yeah. endlessly but just chatting a bit of shop and, and in the last week or two I've found that the, the phone calls I've still spoken to some comics but it's just not happening quite as much and I asked a couple of comics and they were like yeah yeah I haven't heard from as many people I think because people I'm are- in two WhatsApp groups that I right. talk to on a pretty much daily basis mm. about certain stuff um, but other than that and talking to you I haven't really spoke to any other comics in the past week or two I wonder what the, the mood is like as it sort of like hit this has been a month or so since I've gigged it's just made me go fuck I want to talk about a shop Kieran yeah, Woodall it's the longest I've ever gone in 10 years without a gig this yep snap um, Kieran Woodall says so what made both of you want to be comedians and what gave you that push oh sorry uh, what gave you that push? Oh, I'm in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you both want to be comedians and what gave you the push? My mate has said for me to give it a go since I was around 13. That would have been a fucking early start. I'm 22 now and still sometimes consider it as I live in a pub and work behind the bar and banter with the locals. We're shut at the minute, obviously, but I hope the doors open again. I wrote a best man speech for my brother and after I did it, I thought that I could maybe do stand-up. So I want to know where your influences and drive came from to get going. And that that's from Kieran Woodall. So. Okay. You were young, weren't you? Were you 19? 18. I was 20. So we're two of the, two of the younger starters. You okay. Yeah. Me, me laptop just brought up Siri. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was trying to call the police for some reason. Where did your drive come from? Siri's like, I can help with that, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) I I was always obsessed by stand-up as a kid. I always watched it. Like, I was a big fan of Richard Pryor from a young age. I watched quite a bit of Peter Kay. And the two acts that made me think, oh, I could maybe give this a go, which is not the insult it sounds like, were uh, Jason Manford and Kevin Bridges. It wasn't like I was watching them going, they can do it. Well, fuck them. I can be funnier than that. It was just, I, I identified with them, you know, two proper working class lads who were talking about, like, normal life that I could probably relate to. Yeah, not Cambridge <laughs> or Oxford graduates. Not, you know, it, it looked normal, didn't it? It's like, hang on, this yeah, is yeah. fucking normal life. And then in um, in sixth form, I uh, was... I, I was tempted to do it because we did, like, a sixth form talent showcase that we were doing to raise money for a local children's hospice. And I was involved in putting the event together. And so one of the teachers was like, if you're going to run it, you've also, you've got to do something. Surely you can do something. Now I'd done, I'd done the first time I ever got on stage was in year five. And I did magic as part of the school talent show. I just learned a load of tricks from a magic book. Amazing. Um, I would love to see that. <laughs> so 
I was like, okay, well, I think I'll give stand up a go. I've always wanted to maybe do it. I've I've loved, so I'll give stand up a go. And my mate talked me out of it. He was like, look, everyone from the school is going to be there. If you're shit, which you might well be, your social life's fucking done, isn't it? It's high, over. High risk first gig. Yeah. So he was like, don't do that, lad. It's just like, like the reward is so small compared to the fucking what you could lose here don't do that and he got in my head and I didn't do it and then a couple of years later I was working in McDonald's um, and one of the shift managers in McDonald's his name was Dave Airy do you remember Dave? Dave started about the same time I did he oh, didn't last yeah. very long to be fair um, but Dave was a really good mate of mine in Mackey's and he was just as obsessed by stand up as I was so we would always try and time it so that when he went on his break I went on my break as well and we'd watch stand-up on the staff computer in the staff room. We'd just oh. put like stand-up on for like 40 minutes or whatever. And in the end, he goes, one day he goes to me, I'm going to give it a go, you know. We should both do it. Let's both do it. And he was leaving shift earlier than me that day and he went, I, I, we're going to do it. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. Why not? And he rang me about an hour later. I had to go into the toilet at Mackey's because I was on shift. <laughs> so just excuse me, so I'm going to go to the toilet. I was like, what's up, lad? I'm still at work. He was like, we've got a gig sorted. 11th of July it's a, it's happening in what was it called the Metropolitan it's now called Red Door it's been turned into a nightclub now but there used to be a pub on Berry Street in Liverpool called the Metropolitan he was like I know the lads who work there I've come for a pint after work I've said we're giving it a go they've said we can have the function room for free on this date so <laughs> yeah, she's starting a like, gig <laughs> I was like Jesus Christ alright Dave sound so then what happened was about two or three weeks before was meant to happen the Metropolitan shut for good business went went bust it's gone out of business so we're like but we'd sold 120 tickets right to a combination of my friends his friends and we booked like eight other acts to do the bill with us right just local new acts from Liverpool I thought you were going to say McDonald's customers then <laughs> <laughs> and with your happy meal is a ticket to there was some regular customers from our Mackies though because we were at a local McDonald's in like it was on the docks in Liverpool but a lot of people from like Toxtuff used to come so the regular customers who knew me and Dave oh, I know that Mackie we got talking to them and gone oh we're, we're, we're going to give stand up and they're going oh how do I get tickets for that so we had sold some, to some customers actually um, but the, the venue had shut now Lewis Calvert who's another comedian who started about the same time as me who doesn't do it anymore he was like why don't you ask the Casa there's a place in Liverpool called the Casa and it's got a great little back room now, the legal capacity of that back room seated is 85. We'd sold 120 tickets. And they were like, look, just don't tell anyone. Just, you can fill it. We're not asked, right? So we literally had to have the fire exit open on the night that we did this gig. And people were stood in the fire exit, like looking in. Um, but because I'd sold, because we'd sold so many tickets for that, and all my family and friends were coming, I was like, I need to do like a warm up one. Yeah, because if I, I don't want to do my oh, first one in front thinking. of all my family and friends. So I, I'd heard about Hot Water Comedy Club in Envy. Um, so I asked them, could I do a gig? And they said, yeah. So it was a Sunday night. That was where my first gig was. And my second ever gig was at Beat the Frog Preston. With um, me? No, Jonathan Mayer was the compare. Oh, was it? Yeah. Was it Manchester um, that we we did together after this? We did Manchester, yeah. We, we did Manchester about a week after I did the, the one in the castle that we organised. But I, I won the Beat the Frog Press and I came joint with Pete Otway. Me and Pete Otway shared the Fucking shared up. the spoils. Um, so you basically yeah. did two gigs before the, before the one yeah. that you put on yourself. How did it go, the one with Lewis and Dave? 
I was amazed. I've like reaction wise, still probably one of the top ten gigs I've ever had because everyone was just so stupidly supportive. I could have just got on and gone. Good to be yeah. Where <laughs> he's having a go, isn't he? And your expectations like, so low because you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. When you get a laugh, it's it's everything is escalated. Yeah. The high you feel when you first gig is like nothing you can replicate. Like like it's so hard to replicate. You're like, oh. Oh, it's like the f- first time you have sex without a condom. You're like, what is this? It's amazing. And I look back on like those gigs now. I've got some record. I've got a recording of my first ever gig, and it gives me nightmares. It's awful to watch. Like the material's terrible, and I'm so bad at it. But it went well. I think that 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 helped me a lot. That my first few like four, five, six gigs all went fairly well. You so I saw straight in. away I can do this shit. Yep. And it, I just got bitten by the bug. And I'm so competitive. Once I once I'm doing something that I'm good at, I want to be the the best at it. And I, I perceived myself to be good at it, even though looking back, I wasn't. Um, but yeah, you need that you, because it's there's a lot of lot of difficult times in stand up early doors when you're working it out. You have some gigs where you're like, "Oh, that felt crap," and that didn't work. And then someone shouted something. You, if you've had those few first few like like wins early doors, you're like, "Oh yeah, shit, that was crap." But I've no, I know it can be good because I've done it. I bet some great comedians have stumbled at the first hurdle and just gone, "That can't do it." I tell you what, I'll put the video of my first ever gig on the Patreon for like a month and then we'll take it off. But if people really want to watch it, if if that's something people want, tweet us and let us know. But yeah, you can watch me first ever gig if you want. It's so fucking bad. It's really, really, really bad. I've got a... It's filmed on Carl's phone. I've got... (laughs) I've got a tape, a VHS hidden away somewhere where I was the middle act and Russell Howard was the opening act from 2004 <laughs> at the Frog, which was within a year and a half, two years, two years of me starting. I think that's the, uh, but I've never had it like, you know, you've got to get it transferred, but that's how yeah. long ago. Russell Howard was also a new lad. He was like one of the up and coming lads. <laughs> Who was the headliner? I'd love to remember. I can't, I just, I just remember Russell being someone that's not cracked on because <laughs> otherwise I'd be mentioning them as well <laughs> I did the same thing with college I at school I had a French teacher who you know one of those classes at the end of term where everyone's dicking around he got me up at the front of the class and told me to because he'd heard me doing impressions of teachers I think my first ever gig was doing impressions of the teachers in front of one of the teachers at the end of a French class and him just like smirking at the back and obviously some kids laughing as well and I look back and I never sort of remember I was like you don't remember it as a gig you're like that's kind of my first gig (laughs) in like (laughs) whatever it would have been what it would have been like year 10 or something college I did like a leaving speech but I wanted to work in radio I was obsessed with working radio I did loads of What's it called? Work experiences. I did the coolest work experiences. My mum was amazing. And she set up really good work experiences because I was banging on about... Mark and Lard, Mark Radcliffe, used to be on uh, Radio 1 as a... Like, when I was doing GCSEs, like they were, like, doing the breakfast show on Radio 1. And in my head, I was like, I'd love to do radio. Because I sort of didn't know you could do stand-up. And those work experiences, by the... I think I did three in about a year and a half. By the end of it, I was like, I never want to work in radio 
It was <laughs> the most depressing shit seen. You could tell that these people had something about them on Rock FM in Preston and Radio Wave in Blackpool. They, these guys like had like personality, but they just had it ground out of them by commercial radio station where you're like, could you just say so-and-so has, uh, you know, won a competition, say the name of the station and then play that song that was played about 40 minutes ago. And you could see they hated the life. So I just packed yeah. it off, fucked off to Newcastle to do uni. And uh, I was doing politics to, to try and prove a point. And I was seeing a girl and she took me down to the height. What point were you trying to prove? That I, that I was clever. <laughs> Kevin's like, you should do performing arts, you're a great performer. I was like, no, no. Like, just such a fucking difficult little shit. Like, oh yeah, is that, is that what everyone thinks I should do? Well, I'm doing politics, pow. And uh, I, lasted, <laughs> I lasted nine months, <laughs> didn't get the degree. So should have just gone to performing arts. But uh, this girl took me down to a comedy club in Newcastle called The Hyena. And it's a prop, it's gone now, but it was a real, like, basement New York comedy club. And I think the first night Dave Johns was on, who's a bit of a, a, a Geordie legend. I'd seen Peter Kay on tour for my mate. If no 18th. one knows who Dave Johns is, you might, not, you might know the film I, Daniel Blake, which was about, like, government cuts to benefits and stuff and what it's like to sort of be an old guy who needs benefits for the first time uh, he's also a stand-up comic uh, that, that's Dave Johns yeah Ken Loach the British filmmaker has got like a penchant for, for casting British stand-ups working class comedians in his films yeah. he did he did Finding Eric didn't he and loads of comics that we know are in Finding Eric on the sly um, yeah. n probably not a film that a lot of our Liverpool listeners have watched <laughs> um, but the Eric Cantona bio <laughs> one the ones all about United fans and um, <laughs> and I I remember watching Dave Johns who is he, he, basically he's the guy that I think Ross Noble first saw and was a massive influence on Ross Noble really weird flights of fancy and I watched him and it was like watching fucking Messi do keep ups I was like and and we got being a like nineteen years old. I was like, I want to sit at the front. I got ripped by the compare. I got I went to the toilet at one point, and what did he say? I remember because I went really embarrassed. He was like, "Run, Forrest, run!" I was like, "Oh my!" <laughs> so, and at the time, I was like, "Oh fucking!" Hell. I got absolutely rinsed. But I watched Dave Johns up close, and the magic of a, an audience behind you. Like, especially if you know you like performing and if there's something inside you, like a lot of people hate being at the front of a comedy club. It's the worst thing ever because their biggest fear is like, oh my God, if they ask me a question, I'll be embarrassed. I'd rather die. But I had that thing of like, really, I'd like to be involved. I just didn't know what to do with it. And I remember yeah. being at the front. The three times we went, I went at the front because we all wanted to like, oh, they're taking the piss out of us. And you felt embarrassed. You felt that flush of excitement and you could feel the people laughing at you, but it was all part of the fun. Yeah, I watched Dave Johns up close and I was totally besotted by stand-up and club comedy because theatre in a big com like when we saw Peter Kay we were way at the back it was my mate's 18th it was about a year before and he was amazing but it was like it was a bit like watching a DVD really it wasn't real when you're within touching distance of a comedian you can feel the electricity in the room of a small 140 seater it was a corner stage the bright lights and you're sort of in some of the lights you've had four beers oh my god I fell in love and fell so hard in love with stand up at that point we went back in the space of like sort of six or seven weeks we went back and when you're that young like we were scrapping around for money but I always like wanted to go on the weekend when it was bouncing and then on the third time when I was really starting to get the sort of I want to do this 
I saw an act do a 10 minute spot and I didn't know what it was he I thought it was just another act and it and it and now I know it was a new act trying to try out to get paid work so it was what we call in comedy an open spot but he was a, basically a new comedian and he was so fucking average I sat and I remember going I'm going to do this because <laughs> if you let this cunt on stage you're definitely going to give me a go <laughs> and that, how, how how that is the reality of stand-up even now nearly 20 years later there's guys who you watch and you're like i'm mesmerized by you and even though i've been doing this like a short amount short like even longer than you i'm still like blown away and then you see guys like bill burr all right you know i've seen you on tour when you're absolutely amazing it's great i love stand-up like that and also the reality is you watch some guys you're like oh will you stop doing stand-up you fucking ball bag and even at three live cut circuit gigs in, that was the thing that gave me the push. I was like, if this club, which is clearly great, will let this fucking moron do 10 shit minutes, I'm at least going to get a crack on it. And it was that, it was that that made it almost like realistic. Cause I was like, well, that's it. That's the encouragement I needed. Cause otherwise you're just looking at these demigods perform magic. So yeah. I was bitten by the bug straight away. I reckon within like three, four, five gigs, I even if I hadn't sort of admitted it to myself yet, I knew I was going to do it for the rest of my life or at least wanted to. Like I, I went to university for a week. That's how long I lasted. Because in your head, I was, head like, you're like, uh... I was studying maths and I was like, I'm not going to enjoy any job that I could possibly get with this degree as much as I'm enjoying doing stand up. Um, yeah. And I remember having a conversation with my uncle because, uh, from a young age I'd been good at maths and I'm sure I've touched on this before on the pod but he, he was always like oh you're gonna you're gonna earn a lot of money you lads if you've got a maths brain you're gonna earn a lot of fucking money and he's he's a married in uncle as well it's me mum it's me auntie Sue I mentioned before it's yeah, her yeah. husband um and he <laughs> went every time you mention auntie Sue I'll remember that woman <laughs> oh, oh how are you, you? <laughs> fucking hell Oh, um, that that woman that was freaking herself doing? off was still funnier than that guy I saw do ten minutes that third gig. At the... <laughs> he she would have got a better response. Sorry, go. He went to me. I just don't understand why you, why you take such a risk on on like like throwing away a fucking degree. And I went, well, here's my thinking behind it. I was 19 by the time I dropped out of uni. Right. I said I'd rather make a mistake at 19 that I can fix at 29 than get to 29 and hate me life. And he went, what do you mean? I went, well, if I can earn 30 grand a year from stand-up and love me job and me life, I'd rather do that than earn 70 grand as an actuary or a high-level accountant and hate every day of me life. Like, happiness is more important to me than vast, vast amounts of money. And obviously with the ceiling with stand-up, is a lot higher financially. If you get to a big, big level and you're filling big, big rooms, you can earn a lot of money, more than any accountant has ever fucking earned. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I even took it as, if I could be a low-level circuit comic but enjoy what I do, that was more important to me than earning a lot of And he was like, but what about your family and stuff? you gotta, you got to look after your family. I was like, well, I'm not going to make a, a life decision based on a hypothetical family at 19 years of age. Yeah, also, <laughs> like... You're not choosing between 80 grand a year and being impoverished. You, you, you're choosing between a decent fucking living. Don't get me wrong. You have to travel and you have to graft for. You have to commit to it. 
But yeah. 30 grand compared to 70. And I know these are hypothetical, but it's not like your family's like, oh, what will we eat tonight, Dad? We haven't got anything in. Like, it's still a decent fucking life, isn't it? Yeah. But who wants a 70 grand a year dad with a bigger TV? Oh, yeah, I've got more shit. And dad's fucking miserable, drinks, and then goes and shouts at the back of the garden. No one, that's not, that's not what any family wants, so... Not at all. And I always said, like, I, I said I'd give it 10 years. That was me. That was the rule I gave myself. So at 19, I said, I've got to the age of 29. And if I get to 29 and I can justify staying as a comedian, I won't go back to uni. And if it hasn't worked out, then I will. And I'm still one year shy of that. And I'm not comfortable there. with the decision I think, I made. I think you're there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, In next episode, Adam's applying to Edge Hill University. <laughs> 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 uh yeah so i think it's you know it, it th- this is what i'd say to to kieran he's been thinking about it for a while he's now 22 and the way that will go is it will eat away at you and then at 32 you'll be like oh fuck i'm gonna try it and if it's if you've had a miserable 10 years doing jobs that you fucking hate and then you try it at 32 and it turns out that you loved it why didn't you just give it a crack at 22? Because we both... De- There's loads of comics who start later. We both started... My, I did my first gig when I was 20. Adam was 18. And I was making a living from stand-up when I was 24. And it's it was quite a fun fucking life. I was life. probably 22 before I was making... I was making a surviving <laughs> at 22. And I was probably making a living by, like, 25. No. no like... Yeah, but what's a living at that age? Because I turned professional before John Bishop, but that's because I needed two eighty quid gigs a week, and I was fucking rolling. He yeah, had yeah, an eight, he I mean. had an eighty five grand a year job that he had to give up at ICI. So what he had to earn to turn pro was slightly more than me living in a flat in Fallowfield with my mate. You know, so yeah, 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 totally. Like I, I was, I was still living at home with me dad for a while. So all I needed was to pay him thirty quid a week. Fucking shut your mouth and put food in the fridge money do you know what I mean um, yeah and, and it then, was different back in my day because you know 20, you, you do a kid, you do... I was making a decent living yeah like, like a passable one but what I'd say to Kieran is the fact you've written in you're going to try this it, it, people don't ever not try it when they want to do it as much as you do from my experience you're going to end up doing it um, with regards to how time. to get started um, if you sort of if you DM me on Twitter or something, um, and if I don't get back to you straight away, give it a few days and give me a nudge. I'll send you some emails for new act nights. I'll, I'll tell you how to sign up for Beat the Frog. I'll tell you how to sign up for Hot Water. But it's going to be a few months before you can do this anyway. But just do it. Just get on stage and do it. Don't be doing it. You don't need to do a, a comedy course unless you're really low on confidence, which I can tell from your email that you're not. Um, also on the comedy what, what, course, they're gonna they're gonna re- reiterate some really simple things like how to hold a mic, how to take a mic out of a mic stand. Like they're not, they can't teach you how to do stand up. They can just help with some basic stuff, like yeah. doing it. And is you'll the learn thing. that within like ten gigs anyway. Just get on stage and be as original as you possibly can. Don't steal any jokes from comedians that you like because. That, that that's the worst thing you can be in comedy is a is a known joke thief. Um so do not do that. Just get on stage, have some jokes or some stories or some opinions, do whatever you want and just give it a go. And if it doesn't go well, 
give it another go and if it doesn't go well give it another go and do it for as long as you want until you're getting better at it but until if you start yeah. and you're getting laughed straight away you're going to get bitten by the bug and if you you clearly like performing because it was the, the kick up the ass you got was by doing a best man speech um, so yeah just give it a go that's a basically the same as me doing that thing in French class it's the same if you get if you go through one of the, those experiences and you kind of enjoy it it's not a million miles away, really. And you've got time now to, instead of going, well, maybe I'll do it, start sketching some ideas down. Don't copy anyone, but watch how your favourite comics do stand-up. What makes you laugh? And try and do your version of that. Your Use your voice, your life, your experience, and try and do it like that. If you don't like, uh, like, if you watch sort of Gary Delaney or Tim Vine, and, and it's not really your favourite stand-up, then don't write puns. Write the stand-up that you like without copying, and then just, you've got time now, because you can't rush this, because there's not going to be any gigs available, because we're in no. the shutdown. So while we're fucking doing nothing, start sketching some stuff down in a notebook, and, and like, noodle it around. And then when you're allowed, get yourself down to a comedy club, like Vauxhall Comedy Club. Hello. Now then, everyone, let's have a quick word about Vauxhall Comedy Club in that there London town. Now, obviously, there is a fucking pandemic going on. No one's going comedy for a while. But as soon as they are, if you live anywhere near London, if you're down visiting in London and you fancy some stand-up, some of the best comics in the world will be playing Vauxhall Comedy Club, which is, surprise the fucking prize, in Vauxhall. So basically, they've helped the podcast out massively by sponsoring it in our time of need. And when we're out of the fucking bunker, when we do our first live tour of this podcast the have a word show for london will be at the Vauxhall comedy club if you're down there and you fancy seeing some stand-up after the apocalypse give Vauxhall comedy club a try in the meantime give them a follow on instagram at Vauxhall comedy club on twitter at Vauxhall comedy and on facebook they're just Vauxhall comedy club join the mailing list so they can tell you when they're reopening and what they're doing it's VauxhallComedyClub.com. adam's already played this room i'm really looking forward to playing it they do a bottomless booze ticket on a Friday and Saturday night you get 90 minutes of stand-up excellent TV comedians up-and-coming talent and also bottomless beer and wine there's a spirit and mixer ticket for 35 quid there's just entry for 10 be a good egg give them a little follow and we'll see you there after all this shit has blown over Vauxhall Comedy Club the tits you are listening to the funniest podcast in the game it's Have A Word with Adam Rowe and Dan Nightingale <laughs> It's time, time for, for have a word, word with Adam and Dan. Dan. Send us those problems you've got with your friends. <laughs> That's it. Great. No, don't. No. Too many claps. That's weird. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. We took that seriously, didn't we? You can tell we're pining for it. <laughs> I thought yeah, that was just going to be like, yeah. just- oh my God. I was like, God, this this uh, podcast might run a little bit short because that first section, God, we got to the Patreon stuff quite quick. Never mind. It's fine. You know, we're doing six a week. And then all of a sudden, like, how did you start in stand up? Well, sit down, young man. Let me tell you, Sale. <laughs> 2010, a long time ago. Oh, Jesus. Um, so, got to have a word for you. Uh, <laughs> Hi Adam and David. <laughs> I like it. Spelled D A V E E D. That's your new name. I like it. David Nightingale. Um, 
Hi, Adam and David. We've been listening from the very first pod. Think it's brilliant. Thanks for doing such a great job, especially during lockdown. You're very welcome, sir. Thank you. Um, So we've got to have a word for you about our neighbour. Would name and shame her, but don't actually know what her name is. (laughs) I don't want to sound like we're just ranting, but we've got a threefold reason for having a word. So here we go. This is the first layered one we've had. So this is one person. Three problems, Daniel. Like it. like it. She wears the most horrendously see-through clothes that don't leave much to the imagination. And not one to fat shame, there are shapes that no one needs to see, and she's every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> not wanting to fat shame, but I will. Number two. Literally, anytime she drives down her road, the second she's behind her steering wheel, she's right there with her phone in her hand texting away. Even where she has her toddler in the back seat, she's a driving texter. Number three, she's been breaking every fucking social distancing rule there is. Every day she's got someone different round her house or she's going to another neighbour's with her kid. To top it off this morning, her mate and kid were getting into a taxi having stayed over for the night. I know we want to see our family and mates, but she's being the most selfish bell end out there. Thanks for everything you're doing. Keep up the good work, Lids. From Adam and Lid. What? From Adam and Lid? I imagine that's Lydia, but... <laughs> it sounded like we were, it sounded like they were trying to do it from us. From Adam. I have a word with Adam and Lid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a big three, isn't it? Skimping yeah. clothes, driving like a dick, and then fucking COVID fucking misbehaviour. Should we deal with your, what one by one? Yeah. What's your opinion on like um, the clothing? Fatty's fatty's dressing badly. Do you know what I mean? Do you, like, do, do you, you believe that like it's your body? If you feel like you can wear. Uh, crop top it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because it's your you are beautiful and it's time for some body positivity okay or are you like put your fucking handles away right it depends what you're doing if you're wearing a mankini down at the primary school drop off then sort your fucking <laughs> life out but if you just look like if you look like a beach whale in a bikini in your backyard I honestly think you can wear what the fuck you want if you're on your property you can look like the nastiest skankiest beach whale I don't give a fuck jam it all in what you want all the clothes you're like god that's not fit for about five years mum I'm getting in it tonight what's that old Chris Rock bit about fat girls don't give a fuck like they've got they've got pumps on and the fat's coming out of the pump look look like look like they're baking bread in there shoot <laughs> I love it because it, if you're on your property do what the fuck you want sister no problem I'm with, with it. you on that and as exemplified by the fact that yesterday I had gravy <laughs> and toothpaste all over me clones and wow. I went the chippy in this motherfucker what happened to uh, him why why are you coming here for food he need medical attention what S- scammer's down I don't know if you caught it you know what's really funny um, do you know the first time I ever did a scrupulous Skemmersdale accent was when I worked in McDonald's and one of the shift managers was from Skemmersdale and she got really angry one day and was shouting at everyone so I did an impression of her right Right. so like I, but like she was there so she'd like kicked off but she was just in a mood you know when a manager's just having a bad day yeah yeah and in McDonald's like there's <laughs> so there's the staff workers there's staff trainers which is the next level up and then the shift managers which is the next level up but then there's the store manager and the shift managers they've got a bit of respect but you know they haven't got the authority of the store manager so you still take the piss out of them a bit 
and she was kicking off. She was like, "What's everybody doing? You, 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 you know, things take longer than this. You need to the fries. They come up too soon. This is really bad." So I was doing that, taking the piss out of it, and most of the store is dying laughing. Like the staff are crying. That most eyes. I was like, "Oh my god, he's fucking nailed it there." And I got called in for a meeting the next day with the store manager, and he was like, "You're being racist," and I was like. What the fuck are you on about racist? He went, you were doing an accent. That's racist. And I went, if I was doing a Birmingham accent, would that be racist? And he went, no. And I went, what's the difference? He went, because from a different country. I went, no, she isn't. She's born and raised in England. I'm just taking the piss out of her accent. And she then got brought into the meeting. And we went, look, we've brought Adam in today because we he owes you an apology for being racist yesterday. And she goes, he won't be a racist. He was just taking the piss out of my voice. <laughs> Someone right. else in the staff had complained about me saying Adam was being racist to her. Fucking And when rat. she got brought in, she was like, he wasn't being racist. He'd just taken the piss out of my voice. Very funny. Everyone laughing. Guy. I, I'm having a really bad day. I was really kicking off and he took a piss out of me. <laughs> yeah. Very funny. I, I love it when people, you get that at gigs where young white sort of graduates are like looking around middle class white women are the worst people in the world when <laughs> when the fucking when one we were at the frog and a, a a woman a woman was from china and race came up and she heckled and she ended up defining herself as chinglish and oh it's just one of those moments where it was so funny because it is funny. A really overconfident Chinese heritage woman who lives in England basically dominating a comedy club banter and the comedians can handle it and most of the people, her mates were loving it. She was like, I'm not Chinese, I'm Chinglish. Right, she called herself Chinglish <laughs> and watching the woke little snowflakes at the front just sort of decide if they were allowed to laugh or not. Like, well, I don't know if this is allowed. I mean, can she be, oh my God. Like, you can't. It's very difficult to call someone racist when they're being racist to themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't <laughs> I really you think that's a tricky one. That. No, 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 no. I have got a two-one in diversity ethics. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Politics and social policy at the University of York. And can I stop this hip-hop gig and say, that word, that word that you keep using, sir, on stage is offensive. Like, get the fuck out, little rat. Um, did you so see that article that went around last week? It was, um, I watched a, an episode of Bottom for the first time yesterday and I found it really offensive. Now, I just took a screenshot of that and put it on Twitter and said, I guarantee without checking, and I swear to God I didn't check, that this was written by a middle-class white woman in her 20s who's never been involved in comedy. And then people found her profile and sent me it and I was exactly fucking right. <laughs> but, who, but who fucking cares? Do you know what I mean? It's it's not on. Well, who are you who are you angry with? The past, I think. <laughs> now I've gone on. I've done some research into American history, and I think lynchings were really bad. Oh, great insight! Thanks for that. Fucking moron! Who cares? It's done. You can't get I, like I bottoms not being made if, anymore. No, I just want to say that even if slavery was an option today, I wouldn't have. Well, I, w I wouldn't have many. I'd have. Like, I'd limit myself to like one or two. Guys, I think slavery was wrong. Anyone? Anyone, guys? <laughs> Any likes? Any retweets, guys? Racism's bad. Am I right? Anyone? Uh, uh, the drive-in with a toddler in the back and you're straight on your phone. Oh, me not like that. Upset me, nasty bitch. Oh, I fucking hate that shit. It's bad, isn't it? I mean, we've all done it. Don't get me wrong. 
No one is a fucking saint on this, and I it winds me up. And the thing that annoys me most is How I know dare you, sir. I know I've How been guilty of it you when you're like, me. oh, you see someone with a phone, and you're like, oh, you absolute bell end. And then in your head, you're like, yeah, two days ago it was on the seat and it did vibrate, and I was waiting for that email about that thing. I've been guilty of it, but I'm as soon as I catch myself doing it, I'll throw it in the boot. I'll just get pissed off with myself. People who just don't give a shit. Oh God. It's not going to be a tree you hit. I wish it fucking was every time. Every selfish dickhead who drives with their fucking phone like, oh my God, I, was, I know I was on a motorway, but I needed to check fair smoke. I, I did an update earlier. It's never just a tree that they hit. It's some other poor dickhead, isn't it? And you've got your fucking toddler in the back. Oh, you better learn. There's a lad I know who puts porn on on the motorway and has like a big, massive 70 mile an hour danger wank. <laughs> now... <laughs> that's too much even for me that's too much I mean I've we've all I've had a wank in transit but I wasn't driving <laughs> <sighs> and the distance yeah, in sort that shit out so, the, I dis- mean, the not, distance we, in we can't really even make that too funny because it's just fucking bang out of order oh, isn't it <laughs> get your phone out of your fucking face and having people round right now it, I don't know man we've just talking about how we're missing gigs if this virus is prolonged, if everything is made worse by the fact that some people, most people are playing by the rules, some people just can't be fucked playing by the rules, and it keeps, it, it makes it worse for longer, it's, everyone suffers. We we can't do comedy right now because this shit's horrific. Dan, just make a note to put an edit point in here, you're just going to have to sit there by yourself for a second because I need a shit. <laughs> Please let me keep it in. Not I can do. Please let me keep it in for like five minutes. And either I'm gonna go into the toilet and shit, or I'm gonna shit in this chair. So I'm going for a shit. It feels like the mental health thing. Like (laughs) I'll be back in a couple of moments. Um, Feel free to do whatever you want with this time. Either edit it out, or you know, you can just sing for a bit. I'm so tempted to just keep it in. What do you reckon, everyone? I reckon you're like, no, fuck it. Let's time it. All right, he's off. Right. I'll start, I'll start, I'll start the stopwatch. How, how long do you reckon row shits for? Three minutes fifty. Oh, I wouldn't go in there for twenty minutes. Thought <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him Friday. Nobody go in the bathroom for about. 35, 45 minutes. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> Social distancing, which in your house <laughs> just got a lot fucking easier. <laughs> I feel about two stone later. I knew you weren't, your head wasn't in the game because you tried to move on from that have a word before we'd actually finished it. I could see, <laughs> so, I was like, am I, I'm like, sometimes being on the Zoom, it's weird because I can see what you're thinking to an extent and then also there's something that's lost in like the video almost like yeah. video translation and I was like am I am I like not on point with what I'm saying here like Adam usually just flat out disagrees with me when he doesn't agree with me but it was like you were like eh, just a bit, bit bored of it now I know it was because in your head you were like oh fuck I need a shit <laughs> <laughs> IBS is no joke motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 
Oh. oh, but just the social distancing thing. Don't have all your fucking mates around your dickheads. <laughs> You're just trying to go straight back into that. I just want to. I just want to <laughs> underline. Like we're up, there's a lot of people paying that. You don't have to be a fucking angel. Don't be a bell end. <sighs> I mean, we've done a pod. Am... We've done a pod. I know we've done a poo as well, but we've done a pod. Have we? <laughs> <sighs> I can't believe people are, like she's had a kids having a mate stay over. Yeah. Like I understand. Do you know what I understand? Grass right? in. I understand in. the odd person going like to their like to drop something off at their relative's house and having a quick two minute conversation in the garden a few meters apart. Because that's no different from when you go on your exercise and you see someone across the street that you know. I get that that's gonna happen occasionally. You should avoid it at all costs but I get that it's going to happen, okay? But to have someone fucking come and stay over, some little jam ball of a child, invite them into your house, why would you want to do that at the minute? Because they don't give a fuck, do they? But they should give a fuck, do oh, I know, that's what I'm saying. I'd grass them in. How's your feelings about that? What's, where's your, where do you stand on that? Because I know this goes I against everything. I can't be everything. a grass, but ah. I am becoming more open to the fact that Jade is one. So you can't be the grass, but you don't necessarily disagree with the grass in. Because I'd grass. Yeah. I'd yeah. be like, five oh, five oh. You Me feel like Jay such a pussy doing it like Hello, Miss Officer. Um someone's being naughty next door. I don't want to give my name. Bye bye. Me and Jade the other day took the dog for a walk and as we're walking towards the park that we walk her in, there was in the front garden there was like six old people all just sat around drinking cans of lager and I was like there's absolutely no fucking way you all live together in a two bedroom house in West Derby <laughs> did you say it out loud no I said it under my breath to Jade and Jade was like you should grass and I was like why don't you do it she was like I don't want to do it you do it why don't you be the grass for once and I was like because I can't it goes against everything I believe in I wanted to though there should be an anonymous grass line in Liverpool where you just get to tell a mate and they get to tell a mate and then they put it on Twitter and then someone grasses for them out of Merseyside. I'm not fucking grassing on you, but I'm going to ring me mate who lives in fucking Runcorn and he's going to fucking grass on you. <laughs> <laughs> no one in Liverpool will grass. You have to ring someone in, in Lancashire or fucking Cheshire to grass for you. <laughs> My nana in Southport's grassing you the fuck up. Pod? Is that a pod, my my friend? I think it is, isn't it? I'm sorry that I had to go for a poo right at the end there, but, you know, needs must and all that. <laughs> it's it's going to happen, isn't it? Um, at least you didn't freak cool. yourself off. Well, that was a good one today. I really enjoyed that little chat about our comedy origin stories. Yeah. I mean, it's, if, you, if you're at episode 31, you sort of do want a little bit of backstory, don't you? Yeah. This isn't going to be the first. If this is the first episode that you try and listen to, it's. I really feel like you've started the book way too far in. Yeah, I'm going to start at chapter seven. <laughs> Probably backtrack um, a bit. Thanks to everyone uh, listening, as always. Uh, we've got a song coming up, and then after the song, uh, we'll have our list of Patreon legends. These are the people who are our top tier patrons. They sign up for a ten pound each per month. Uh, we're so so grateful to those guys. Also to people who are on the three and five. Uh, we we anything you can send our way at the minute is very very much appreciated. If you do want to join the Patreon club, go to patreon.com slash have a weird pod. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash have a weird pod. 
Um, we're very grateful for that and also very grateful for everyone who's been supporting our sponsors along the way our sponsors are beer52.com Trans Alloy Wheels from Yorkshire and Vauxhall Comedy Club in London please go and find their social medias and give them a follow and a like let them know that we sent you we're very grateful for that today why have you got a ukulele? I'm going to just strum along to you doing the £10 Patreons alright okay cool shall we have an actual musician first though? oh hey Alright, go on. <laughs> Today's artist is called Sophie G. Uh, her song is called See the Sun. Now, Sophie's only 15 years old. This is her original song, and it was submitted to us by her mum. Aww. Aww. So, playing us out today is Sophie G from Tyneside, and her song is See the Sun. Listen for the end of the podcast for our Patreon legends, and we will see you all at Termare. See you, Termarzi. The speaker's faded Dance and sing my melody Yeah Keep it going all night Right till we see the sunlight This is where we're meant to be Yeah The beat inside It makes me feel alive Grab a cup, fill it up In enough, but don't kill my vibe My baby Let's go Let's go crazy We just wanna have a 
Kill, you ready? Yeah, well. Get your ukulele. Oh, lad. Got, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So, this, as always, on our Monday episode, ladies and gentlemen, this is our list of producers. You are officially a producer of our podcast. If you are on this list, we're very, very grateful. These are the people who sign up to the Patreon for ten pound a month. And today, this list will be accompanied by music from our very own David Nightingale. So we have got. Jason Hopkins, Rebecca Thomas, Jamie Moores, Christian, don't know your surname, lad, sorry, Aaron, Aaron Ledbetter, Adam Golightly, AJ Gregson, Alexis Bly, Andy, I'm going to say a name for you, lad, Anthony Doran, Anthony Jollies, Anthony Wilkinson, Barney Wood, Barry Parsons, Benjamin Jake Smith, Bunny Whitehead, Carmel, Chris Chubbs, Chris Jones, Chris Townsend, Chris Watson, Keen O'Connell, Colette Hinn, Damian Rock, Dan Thomas, Daniel Newman, Daniel Pugh, Danny Gilligan, David Everson, Dean Cochran, Donatello, Donna McCauley, Emma Green, Frank Hughes, the Frog and Bucket team, George Mush, Glenn Turner, Graham Cashel, Ian Pringle, Ian Chadwick, Jack Rush, Jack Scargill, James Fuchs, Janet Roskell, Jay Kyle, Jennifer Ridding, Jess Yarwood, Jill Bushell, Joanne Barr, John Parr, that is. Uh, John White, Johnny Armstrong, Johnny Edwards, Jordan something, J- Joseph Moore, Julie Smith, Cade Bidwell, Kathleen Simon, Catherine Wells, Kiefer Gallagher, Kieran Woodall, Kieran Gibson, Kirsty Leonard, Lee Hson, Lee Grant, Liam something, Louise Grimes, Mark Hughes, Mark Cowan, Mark Hollenbach, Matt Delmain, Matt Flannery, Matthew Reese, Maxine A, Michael Christopher, Mike Kivy, Mike Quirk, Mike Sullivan, Mutley, Nathan Sharrox, Owen Badman, Paul McDonald, Pete Graves, Rachel Heron, Rachel Whiteley, Richard Palmer, Rob Bell, Rob Upton, Russell Waring, Sam Crow, Sam Maguire, Sammy Taylor, Saz Green, Scott Brickcliffe, Simon Martin, Stephen Theobald, Steve Bowers, Steve Green, Steve D. Malone, Terry Burke, Tom Chadwick, Tom Peterson, and my cousin, Tom Rowe. That's our list of Patreon legends, our producers for this week. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. Thanks, as always, for listening. In a bit.